This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Hey, everybody. Welcome aboard. My name is Adam Ritz, and Jay Baker is on the phone with me. Hey, Jay, how you been? I am uh, doing very well, Adam. It's another beautiful day in the fall. We love fall. We love uh, October. We love uh, the football season and all the uh, charitable events centered around uh, these athletes and the foundations they have. And we really like to uh, talk about these foundations and charity works. And I came across a story this week that, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it has nothing to do with charity, and I was really hoping it did because it is a um, uh, an auction. And we've talked a lot about auctions recently. There was a, a James Bond auction you reported on that raised money for charity. Uh, yeah, think, very cool. Bond at sixty. Yeah, but sixty years of Bond, and they they auctioned off his Aston Martin for uh, maybe a million dollars, and most of the proceeds went to charity. Well, there was a an auction this week. And a pair of Levi jeans were auctioned off for $76,000. Did you hear this one? No. What made them so special? Well, they were recovered in a mine. Uh, They were from the 1800s. I mean, these are like an original pair of Levi jeans from the 1800s. They were recovered from from an old mine, which makes you wonder, you know, what miner took his jeans off? Uh, and just, you feel bad. Uh, <laughs> turn of the century mining was so dangerous. You'd have to occasionally take your pants off. I guess so. And they were <laughs> they were left behind. And um, a, a young man. Here's the craziest part. Well, there's several crazy parts of the story. But the guy that bought these jeans for seventy six thousand dollars was twenty three years old. <laughs> wow. Some people are doing well. They're I, living their best life. He's doing a lot better than than you and I. Uh, I had trouble buying lunch today, and this kid bought a $76,000 <laughs> pair of jeans. Uh, his name is Kyle Halpert. He is a vintage clothing dealer, and uh, he is going to try to resell them at a, at a higher price downriver. Um, the jeans are still marked by candle wax, so there's candle wax on the jeans. There's an extra rivet on the waistband for when people used to wear suspenders with their jeans. And uh, if you Google this and find we'll put a picture on our website, adamritzshow.com, but there's a picture of the jeans, and the gentleman that, that paid for these jeans, and he's right, I agree with him, you could wear these jeans to Starbucks today and order a coffee, and nobody would look at you like you were wearing something that old. Well, and haven't you always marveled that blue jeans became like the unofficial uniform of the United States. Yeah. Like you think of all the cloth, clothing, anything. I mean, why didn't, uh, you know, a kilt, you know, unlikely, but why didn't something else sort of become the national garment? And wouldn't you say jeans would be that? And even a turn of the century pair of jeans discovered in a mine, I'm going. I'm going to guess they're pretty small. Well, they do look short. People, yeah, people of that era were not particularly. They weren't, you know, hitting the golden corral. You can see the um, the wear and tear on the jeans from where their knees were, 
And if I wore these jeans, that'd be about the middle of my thigh. Uh, yeah. They'd probably fit me in the waist, but they'd probably come down to – they look like football pants. They just would come just below my knees. So I guess – uh, I'd have to have some pretty hipster shoes on in that Starbucks for no one to really look at me and go, what are you wearing, man? <laughs> uh, and then you'd have to just pass out business cards to everybody saying, I'm wearing $76,000 jeans. How's your day going? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so I, I, you know, I scoured the story to see if there was some sort of charity angle with the auction to see if uh, any of the money went for a cause. Uh, couldn't find one, but that doesn't stop me from reporting on this story in a public affairs light to encourage uh, you, Jay, me, myself, uh, our listeners, to get involved with a with a charity auction. Because more often than not, there is an angle for that auction to be connected to a charity or foundation, and you could end up with a you know a, a one of a kind item in your basement, a collector's item. And also uh, help out a great cause. So that's your uh, foundation charity auction advice uh, for the week. Well, excellent. Uh, We've always talked about that, you know, charity can come in so many different forms. And you can really bring people on board by sort of varying up the way you handle the charity. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm, I, you know, it's coming to the end of the year here, fourth quarter. Um I want to help out. Want to give back. Also, want to you know a collector's item in my in my basement. So I'm going to keep my eye out for the next uh, big charity. I've, I've got to perform a little lower than the uh, the Aston Martin or the seventy six thousand dollar pants. Uh, but you know what I'm saying. Maybe there could be a framed oh, yeah, picture of an athlete in my basement. <laughs> well, that uh, that auction that uh, you were talking about, the bond auction, uh, they had. Uh, the early part of the auction, they talked in very vague terms, but just saw a follow-up article that did raise an extraordinary amount of money. So hats off to the Broccoli family who is uh, part, you know, they're the owners of the Bond legacy. And uh, they were the ones that spearheaded this Bond at 60 charity auction. And they had stuff like tux coats and, you know, stuff that the real James Bond wore in a movie. And I know you like super cool items, but could you imagine having like the white jacket that Sean Connery wore in Goldfinger? Oh, that'd be so cool. That would be cool. Oh, it would just be absolutely the best. And, yeah, we were talking a little bit about uh, the more interesting you can make the auction, the more people want to participate in it. And uh, here is an interesting one, an office-themed charity bar crawl that's happening in willoughby ohio huh. now now of course uh the office based on the british television series uh this one is themed at a variety of bars i guess you spend uh 30 minutes in each bar and then you move on and they have uh designated drivers and everything so that you you know nothing gets out of control but uh they encourage you to dress as your favorite office worker from the television show, the office, yeah, the television show. Yeah. And of course, you know, uh, you love it when Jim famously makes fun of Dwight by dressing as Dwight. And I'm, I think I've seen a lot of Dwight 
wearing uh, costumes during Halloween. So he might be the easiest one to mimic. We had a sales guy here at the radio station three years ago that won our inner office Halloween costume contest because he dressed as Dwight Schrute from the office. He parted his hair down the middle. He had the glasses. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it was a mustard-colored uh, suit with a yellow shirt and a brown tie. <laughs> and that was Dwight. Everyone knew. Oh, as soon as perfect. You looked at him. You said, there's Dwight Schrute. Who would I, – I think I'd have to dress up as uh, Jim only because um, we have the same body type and brown hair, uh, although mine's gray now. But uh, I don't know anybody else on the show that I'd, you know, look like or, or – yeah, I guess Michael. I could do Michael Scott. Yeah, you could a, do a Michael a Scott. Yeah, um, but it, the, if you think about all the different characters in the office, like you got to love a guy like Creed, you know, <laughs> who's the older yeah. rock star look, and then uh, you know, you, you, you've got. I mean, Mindy Cowling was in, you know, so it's 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 like you've got a lot of different characters, both male and female, that you can emulate. Ed Helms, and then, that'd be a good one. Yeah, you could. Ed Helms was good. And uh, I love Craig Robinson, and I forget the name of his character. Remember, he oh. was sort of the head of the warehouse. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, so there's a lot of great uh, ideas in that. But uh, hats off to them thinking of this in Willoughby, Ohio. All the proceeds will go to Make-A-Wish Foundation of Northeast Ohio. Uh, here's something that's kind of cool that's coming up in the Midwest. In central Indiana, they're going to have the firefighters versus police. It's They're going to battle on ice. It's the second battle of the badges. It's going to happen uh, at the state fair fairgrounds on October 21st. And we've talked about how traditional these hockey games are, especially when it's uh, police versus firemen. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's something about hockey that just brings out that competitive nature. And there's something about, you know, police versus firefighters with the logo, the shields and the logos and the colors, you know, the red, yeah. the red team versus the navy blue team. It, there's just a whole lot of Americana going on there. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's actually point well taken is that the uniforms are very distinct. You know, it's blue versus red. And lest you think it's just going to be some guys that just sort of phoned it in. Last year, the firefighters won and they take it very seriously. They won four to two. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, 80 to 80 kind of hockey game. I mean, those guys were taking it very seriously. And the most, one of the most famous versions of this uh, police versus firefighters hockey game is the uh, the 9-11 tribute in New York City. I, yes. I think they even, they fill Madison Square Garden for that game. Yes, they raise a great deal of money for the 911 Foundation. This one, the proceeds are going to be going to Make-A-Wish Foundation as well. Tickets are $25. And not only do you get to enjoy the Battle of the Badges, but you'll also get to see the Indy Fuel Opener. They are a minor league hockey team based in Indianapolis. And if you happen to live close enough to take advantage of this, you can get ticket details at Indy Fuel Hockey, all one phrase pushed into one word, dot com. All right. And what was the date on that? That's uh, coming up October 21st. Very cool. Okay. So I think we're actually saying something that uh, some people can go to because you and I are the kings of, hey, here's a great charity event. 
oh, it happened two weeks ago. And it already happened. But, you know, those kind yeah, of follow-up reports, that, that's how we find out how much money was raised. And those are still uh, viable reports. In fact, we'll do it with this one. So two weeks after this hockey game, we'll come back and tell you how much money they raised. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, going to be great. And people kind of itching for hockey as hockey starts back up. This is the time of the year, you know, where you get you get your football, you get your baseball, you get your hockey, you get your and Chinese table tennis starts up as well. That's another <laughs> spectator sport. You'll love this. Sports books take bets on table tennis. And I'm going to just mildly suggest because, you know, what you do with your spare time and your money is your concern. But if you're betting on table tennis matches, you might want to review you, you might possible re- problem yeah. in the gambling arena. You may want to reflect on a, on a few things happening in your life. And that is not a Jay yeah. Baker uh, comedy bit. You're serious? You can no, actually oh, bet wow. on ping pong? You can bet on ping pong, my friend. And there's apparently uh, there's a, a bunch of ping pong leagues, which just sound crazy to me. I uh, used to really love to play around sports betting. And the more obscure, the better. But when I started betting on Greek uh, football matches, Greek soccer matches, I said, oh, this this has to end. Yeah, that's it's you know, it's just so obscure that you find yourself going, this has no no relevance to normal everyday life. You're, it's not like you're going to be at work and go, hey, you know, uh, the Greek Atmos team really played well today. No kidding. Yeah, and I, you know there is so there are so many more outlets to gamble now. Um, you know, when I was just when I just turned twenty one, uh, it was a big deal that they just started putting um, those riverboat casino boat. Uh, yes, you know, on a on a river near, so you didn't have to travel all the way to Las Vegas to to play uh, a few games, and here just a few short decades later it is everywhere it is on your phone there are apps you can there are full sports books on your on your phone now and which means that uh you know gambling as an addiction uh it was always a big problem in this country and now it's it's even uh it's going to be a bigger problem um yeah we'll we'll have to potential i don't have any of the resources in front of me right now but i'm glad you know with football season like you said and and the world series around the corner um we'll come back uh next week with our halloween extravaganza and then uh, early November, we'll we'll dedicate a show to uh, gambling addiction because that is something to be taken serious. Um, and I guess I will applaud uh, all the apps I've heard that advertise. They will always mention in their commercial uh, where to call if you have an addiction problem, uh, a gambling yeah, problem. Yeah, good so, point. Um, and I think it's one eight hundred Whip It. If I with with it, yeah, the Midwest number is one eight hundred with it. With it, okay. I th- yeah, I was W-I-T-H. hearing I T H. I heard whip it like you got to whip your you know whip your addiction. Yeah, that's that would be not a bad tie-in. Um, okay, well maybe uh, we'll have to do a whole we'll have to do research on what <laughs> on on my hearing. Uh, do you hear one eight hundred with it or one eight hundred whip it? When you hear 1-800-WHIP-IT, I think that that is the Devo fan line. 
You can find out their concert <laughs> schedule. That's right. Where they're going to be next. You know how it goes. You can whip it. Uh, I thought you were going to say something about your dog because didn't you? Don't you, you used to own whippets? Those are dogs, oh, yeah. well, a dog used to breed. Own whippets, yeah. Um, and God forbid, uh, it's a it, it's a line about inhaling uh, whipped cream. Yes, uh, those were called whippets, I think. Uh, with it, that makes more sense. One eight hundred with yeah. it. Okay. One eight hundred with it. So yeah. So I think we should do a show on that because, as you said, there's so many outlets now. Uh, there's a Boston couple, Rob and Karen Hale. They are going to be giving away $1 million a week this year to charity. So they have tasked themselves to give away exactly $52 million over the course of a year. And they are giving them to deserving nonprofits. And what prompted them to do this is they had read an article about how the nonprofit world has really taken a hit the last few years. Um, you know, there's all kinds of factors nowadays, as you know, uh, the pandemic um, and uh, certainly inflation has hit a lot of families. So it has altered the landscape of how people give. But I thought that was interesting. They're specifically targeting nonprofit organizations. They're going to give away a million dollars a week for a year starting when uh it didn't say exactly when they're going to start uh but rob hale uh is part owner of the celtics and a telecom company and he is uh purported to be worth about five billion that's five billion with a b dollars that is uh, a tremendous thing to do. $52 million total, yeah. $1 million a week. That, what a great story. No, I think that that's just so interesting. You know, we've talked a lot about how in the billionaire world, there's a lot of structured giving. And I thought that that was uh, great that they had kind of said, this is our challenge for this year. And I th- did I catch from you that, that these are charities that are not maybe not as uh, top of mind or well-known? They're really kind of going Could deep. Could be, yeah. And they may be more closely, uh, since the couple uh, lives in Boston, they may be more Northeast United States, more Boston-oriented. But, you know, we've always talked about this. Uh, you know, just any getting at all helps people because it just – you know, by giving, you sort of influence others to give as well. I agree. I agree. I think, uh, you know, the auction that uh, just sold a pair of jeans for $76,000, if they would have heard this story before they sold them, maybe they would have committed uh, a few dollars from the proceeds to give to charity. Absolutely. Hey, you know, this is a great time of year to try and get some exercise in as we get into fall. Obviously, we'll have cooler temperatures, but there have been a number of great days. Uh, This show emanates from the Midwest, but in general, weather is usually very nice in the fall to get out. And one of the things that you might want to investigate, because people tend to take them for granted or not even look into, are your state parks. And you probably know this, Adam, but every state has a number of state parks. Yeah, and they're fantastic. And, you know, different times of the year, you get different 
foliage uh, in the Midwest and the North uh, this time of year. The the colors are just unbelievable. You probably uh, the farther north you go, you you probably only got two three weeks left of the prime. Yeah. You know what they call prime foliage viewing. Um, and then as you know, the farther you go down south and around Tennessee, northern Georgia, those those colors last longer. Remember, we had a, a show where I think live on the air nationally, we called the National Foilage Hotline, which is not easy to say. Uh, and we, we were put on hold. I, I remember that very well. But, uh, yeah, they, there are ways to sort of pinpoint uh, peak leaf activity. And as you said, it's already occurred in areas of Maine. Uh, you can probably wait a while. There's not as much a uh, great fall explosive color like in uh, Texas and Florida because yeah. the you know the plants are very different. But uh, for much of the country, uh, we get treated to those colors. You probably have noticed that here in the Midwest, the colors have started to change. Oh yeah, uh, driving uh, into the station today, I, I saw a difference just over the last 48 hours. Uh, they, they change fast, too. Yeah, absolutely. So there are 10,234 state parks at last count, and more are being added all the time. And this was a kind of a cool footnote. Most of what we know as state parks were established in the 30s. There was a program called the Civilian Conservation Corps. Do you ever recall hearing that phrase? Uh, I do not, no. Yeah, the Civilian Conservation Corps, and there was another organization called the Works Project Administration. Those two uh, agencies were created by FDR, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, to help get Americans back to work during the time period following the uh, great, uh, oh, help me out, what was it called in 1929? The Great Depression. The Great Depression. There we go. It would have been depressing if I couldn't recall depression. At least you got great, right? <laughs> yeah, I got I got most of it in there, you know. So I would have lost at double jeopardy, I think. It yeah, would have mo- been happened. Most people could name name the Great Depression but not be able to tell you that it was 1929. <laughs> you had the year but, but didn't yeah, get the see, word depression. That's how memory works at my age. We'll have to do a show on memory. But I thought that that was really cool uh, that, you know, to at least look into take advantage of the state parks uh we recently in our area had a state park that was kind of added at a old military base that was mostly wooded uh and they created a state park and i had a chance to chat with the one of the rangers out there about i said you know this place had been here for so long why did it take so long and he goes well he goes uh early on uh back in the 1920s they were testing some new uh, ammunition. And he goes, there were some unexploded pieces of ordnance that were still in the woods. He goes, it took us a couple of years to make sure that all those uh, were accounted for and uh, taken care of. So I thought to myself, you're spreading that blanket for a picnic. And next thing you know, you know, you're 50 feet up in the air and flying away. That is yeah, interesting. Yeah, so you have to be careful. Yeah. So you you know sometimes you can find uh, an arrowhead from a Native American spear uh, in your state park, or in this case, a mortar shell. A mortar shell, yeah. which you know, 
Uh, and we've always said on the Adam Rich Show, if you do come across a, a mortar shell, don't touch it. Don't try to take it home. But there's your PSA for the day. <laughs> right. <laughs> Safety first. But, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So do check out the state parks. The great news is, too, uh, because they are state parks, they have to be ADA compliant. Um, obviously, not every part of the state park is going to be ADA compliant. But that makes it so that everybody uh, can gain access to the park. And uh, they usually mark pretty clearly uh, how rugged the trails are because, uh, you know, uh, we live in a state that's relatively flat. But, you know, there are a number of state parks that have some very demanding hiking trails. That is for sure. And, you know, while we're talking about state parks, um don't be afraid to go because of the the price. I mean, the price is low. And I know as uh, as Americans, and I fall into this trap, you might think, why would I go to the state park to go walk six miles and pay them the $10 entry fee when I could walk 10 miles in my neighborhood? Uh, you know, keep in mind that that $10 entry fee or whatever it is, it's usually 7 to $10. It goes to keep the park, you know, running. I mean, it, that's not free. You've got to there are there are yes there are volunteers but there are also paid employees there are there's electric uh, you know there's safety tra- trail lighting there's um, maintenance and upkeep with the stair- some of the stairwells and uh, the decks overlooking a, a lake Th- that stuff costs money and it, they can't right. pay for it unless people go there to enjoy it and use it so don't be afraid to to shell out the seven dollars to go on a six mile hike yeah and don't just say to yourself hey the seven dollars you know, how, how exciting could it be? Uh, a number of the state parks in our area have history associated with them. Uh, they're associated with uh, famous authors. We even have a state park that's associated with a famous original Mercury 7 astronaut. So, yeah. you know, the state parks can enrich you in a number of ways. As Adam said, pony up the money, let the state park flourish, and then the state park will be there when you want to return. And if you like, if you really enjoy the state parks, you can save some money and help them out by purchasing a membership. They do sell annual memberships that will get you in any state park through their entire state park system. Uh, and I've always that's something I've always wanted to do because I'll go to a state park and I'll really enjoy it. And I'll think, we, you know, I'll say to Melissa, we should buy a membership. And she says, let's do it. And then as soon as we get home, it's, you know, out of sight, out of mind. So maybe now that we brought it up, I'm going to look back into that. Here's a story, Adam, about a guy who checked into his college eligibility. He was 49 years old, and he is currently playing college football for North Dakota State College of Science. I heard about this. Yeah, this is a kind of a cool story. This guy uh, had spent uh, 10 years in the military. Uh, and then when he got out, he started working for a manufacturing company and the manufacturing company said, Hey, you know, we, we could really use your help even more if you would agree to get at least an associate's degree in manufacturing. So he enrolled at this school and, uh, by accident met up with the football coach. Uh, and they started started the discussion. Initially, the football coach was a bit concerned that a 49-year-old couldn't withstand the rigors of college football. You know, even though this is not 
major college football, you, you know yourself, Adam, you played college football. Yeah. It's pretty physically demanding. Yeah, but Tom Brady's 61. Or is he 161? <laughs> I mean, it's breaking up. Um, You're 40, breaking up. You know, I'm 52. <laughs> I think I could play a little bit of college football at the Division two, <laughs> Division three level. I think I could do that. Do you think you could? I, well, I here's here's what I challenge people. I I'm not I'm not denying it because I think you have the physicality to to at least try it. Here's what's interesting to me. I always tell people if you have high school football in your city, go to the games. It helps support the young athletes. But even high school football players play at such a high level now. I just think the science and the physics of sports have really changed over the last 10 to 15 yeah. years. Yeah. All right. I see your point. I, you know, I was, uh, I'm 6'3", 225, <laughs> and you, you could go to it any, looks good on the scorecard, any yeah. high school in, in my city right now. The, the tight end in high school is 6'4", 230. So. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. Uh, They're bigger no, than me. It, it's really changed. That has really changed a lot, but hats off to the guy. Yeah. His name is Ray Russell, and uh, – I, I think that is very that's cool so, that he's even trying this. So interesting. And that's North Dakota State Mineral School? North Dakota State College of Science. College of Science, okay. Uh, so that's not the Bisons. It's not North Dakota State. No. It's the North Dakota State <laughs> College of Science. I is think they're right? the marching marching beakers or something like that. All right. Well, Jay and I will get uh, back on the field and uh, and get our uh, workouts in, and maybe we'll try out for some uh, Division Four level college football. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening. You can uh, hear this show and some of our previous shows in podcast form on our website, adamritzshow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.